Welcome to episode 86 of Biohacking with Brittany. I am your host, Brittany Ford, and I'm super excited that you're joining me for another week. If you are new, I am a registered holistic nutritionist, a biohacker, a content creator as well, and I've kind of just been in this biohacking space since... 2018 maybe. And it's really, really cool to see it grow. It's been awesome. I can't believe I'm 86 episodes in already just to see, yeah, to see the new companies emerge, see the new leaders, how much, like how much information about biohacking is shared around the world now. And it's awesome to be a part of this movement. I don't think we are mainstream yet, but we are definitely getting there. And it's exciting. It's really nice to be a part of something from not from the ground up, but like a early adopter and then you kind of just see it grow. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. This week is a definitely a more personal week, not necessarily with myself, but with the the person that I'm interviewing, which is her name is Tisha Foster. And we talk about her health journey and it's interesting because I usually have guests on who have developed some sort of product or business in the biohacking and wellness space, but hers, her story is very different. It's very personal and you're going to hear a lot about it and kind of what she's been through and, and how difficult it's been for her and the different healthy habits that she had to bring into her life in order to actually heal from uh, stiff person's syndrome, which is something that she struggles with. And it's interesting as well, because I actually didn't know a lot about this syndrome and I didn't know like how many people it impacted and who would get it and what it looked like on a day-to-day basis. So I actually learned a lot from her and I I really appreciate her coming on and sharing her story and her journey with us because it's a very powerful one. And yeah, like I said, like I just, yeah, these episodes are really special. So I'm very grateful for you listening. I am heading to Costa Rica in a couple of weeks. We just booked flights a couple of days ago and this is kind of, hasn't come out of the blue, but we, if you don't know my, so I'm engaged, <laughs> long story short, I'm engaged, but because of the pandemic and other things going on, we haven't really prioritized having a wedding. It's just not been a thing. And now we're potentially looking at getting married in Costa Rica. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going down there for about eight days and we're going to go look at venues and have a vacation. And which is crazy because it's the first time I've traveled since 2019. So like traveled internationally. So I'm really excited. And yeah, like I cannot wait to barely work and be in the sun and just, oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So yeah, stay tuned for that. It's going to, I'm really intrigued to actually look at the, the customs there and like the healthy habits they have and the place that we're actually looking at for our wedding. So we're going to a few different venues, but they're in the blue zone in Costa Rica, which is really cool. So, and w- we didn't really plan this. It was just kind of like through family that this like area was recommended to us. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of the blue zones. And so the blue zones are these five different places around the world, which have the oldest people, the oldest population to date, or like that we know of. So there's people who live above average, 
lifespan. And so they've been studied, right? Like their diets have been studied, their culture has been studied and all of these different things. And I've actually never read a Blue Zone book, but now that I'm going to it and if we get married there, I'm definitely going to get one because I just want to know more. And I'm actually curious about when we go in a few weeks to see if I can, I don't know, I have to be careful without, I don't want to do anything like culturally inappropriate. So I would love to go and talk to these people and get involved and learn from them, but it's also sensitive. So I understand that. So I'm going to see what I can do when I'm there. I just think it's really cool. It's, It's really fascinating. Like, why are these people living longer than everybody else? Is it something in the water? Is it something in the diet? Is it the way that the community functions itself and in relation to each other? And that's what I've heard a lot of is it's not necessarily that they eat a lot of fish or something like that. It's actually that they very much operate as a community. Like uh, it takes a village that quote, right? Like they raise their children together and it's more of this, yeah, community feeling than kind of what we have now, right? Like all the family families are more interconnected. There's more celebrations. So I think it's like actual lifestyle and way of living that people have said is what actually helps them to live longer compared to being like this isolated family by yourself living in an apartment, right? Like it's very, very different. So I'm gonna have to dive into that. That's maybe I'll get one of those books actually for my trip which I should do. And yeah, I want to shout out one of my reviews from this week. And I appreciate this. I appreciate all the reviews. I love like getting notified about them. So if you want to leave a review, thank you. Like I read all of them and they mean a lot and it takes two seconds to do it on your phone. And it actually helps so much <laughs> like with Apple podcasts. And I think Spotify is coming out with reviews soon as well, actually. But yeah, so this one is from Arlie K via Apple Podcasts. She's in the US. And she wrote, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate Brittany's holistic approach. It's such a smart and empathetic resource for all things biohacking. If you're looking to level up your health and wellness, this is the show you should be listening to. And thank you, Arlie. That is really sweet of you. I appreciate you doing that. And a quick shout out this week to our sponsor, which is Sensate. I posted a reel about them and their product uh, like a couple of weeks ago and got a lot of interest of it. And I still use Sensate. Like, so Sensate is a device that you hang around your neck and it vibrates against your vagus nerve. And it really helps to stimulate a sense of calm and a sense of relaxation. And it's just really interesting to use it and to like meditate with it and put the music on that comes with it and all of these things. So it's a really good device for people who have anxiety, who have stress, uh, depression, all of these things, which so many of us do. So it's really fantastic. And I got it last year and I still use it now. So I highly recommend checking out Sensate if you are one of those people, because I think we've all kind of been in that boat in the last while with COVID and different things. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah. And enjoy this week's episode. I will be back next week and I will keep you updated on my, (laughs) all my biohacking slash wellness travel plans, ideas, and things I do. I'm actually thinking about bringing my EMF meter on the plane with me 
and recording when it does. Because now that I have one, I can actually see the data behind airplanes and how much radiation we're exposed to. And so I'm trying to think in my head, like, how can I bring this on and show the screen and film it? So look out for that because I'm probably going to do that. And I'll definitely post that on Instagram. So stay tuned. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, please do. My handle is biohackingbrittany. And that is easily the number one platform that I'm on and spend my time on and publish content on more than my podcast, more than my blog, more than TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, everything like Instagram is the number one. So you can find me there basically every day. And yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this one and I'll see you next week. Great. Well, welcome Tisha Foster to the show. I am looking forward to this episode. There's been a lot I've heard about with stiff person syndrome, which is something that you have, but I feel like I've never actually explored it that much or talked to somebody with it. So I'm really honored and excited to have you joining me today. So to start, I would love to dive into your personal story and your health story and kind of just hear about how you got diagnosed with this and how it all kind of unfolded for you. Well, the the diagnosis came two years after I've been suffering with it. And then I was diagnosed with the wrong thing, with the wrong condition. It started like early 2009, and then I wasn't diagnosed until November 2011. Throughout that period, my body was, your body talks to you. So throughout that period, what I was, my body was doing was it was going through different stages of the disease. I had no idea what was going on. And at first they said I was in early stages of MS. So I was actually being treated for MS for about two months. And with extensive blood work, continuously going back to the doctors, they, I guess they found out that that was not MS. It was something so new to them in 2009, 10. And then um, stiff person syndrome really wasn't, that wasn't the first name. So when I was diagnosed, it was stiff man syndrome. So the disease, they were saying the, the disease wasn't designed for women. It was designed for heavy set men. And here I am lean and tall and I'm a woman. How did I get this? However, that was the diagnosis. And then from there, you know, my life just became whew, challenging because I had a four-year-old. So I had a four-year-old and then walking was cut out. So there was no more walking because now my body is, the stiff person syndrome is actually, you know, attacking my my immune system. And that was that was the start of a horrible, that was the start of a horrible ending. However, I tried to play games with my son as most, as much as I can, like as far as games on the floor, because I couldn't walk. And the, the way I would get around is use a human crutch. I didn't feel com- comfortable with holding on to a cane or a walker. So I, I was like, no, I, I always felt like I was going to fall and that my body would tilt the, the walker over. So I just was never stable with a cane or a crutch. 
So I will always ask people, not really ask people, it was just one person, my God sister. I will always ask my God sister to help me. She probably was the only one that knew I, because I really didn't know what it was for so long. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know what to tell them. So I would say things like my back hurt and that was the excuse that I used, but they didn't know when I went home, I wasn't walking. Mm. I was crawling on the floor and that went on for two years. So they gave me the correct diagnosis. Yeah. So for those who are listening, who don't know or understand what stiff person syndrome is, can you define it and explain it to us? Absolutely. It's a one in a million neurological and autoimmune disorder that causes intense muscle spasms in your lower back and in the trunk of your stomach. The spasms can be triggered by sound, touch, startling if someone startles you. For me, it was more so of sound. If I was triggered by loud noise in the street, and that's where most happened to me in the street, I would, I would fall on the ground right in the middle of right in the middle of the street. A car could be coming. It doesn't matter. It, it'll just happen. And I would just fall right in the middle of the street. Stiff person syndrome also does not come alone. It comes with something. It can be cancer. It can be Graves' disease. It can be epilepsy. And I and they also diagnosed me as as having Graves' disease as well. So my weight do fluctuate. I had to learn how to deal with that as well. But I took everything on as a challenge, and I'm I'm able to tell you my story. Yeah, I know with autoimmune diseases, typically if you have one, you are susceptible to having more than one. So I've definitely heard that before, but how did it feel getting diagnosed with something that has been mostly diagnosed to men as a woman? Did you just feel like you couldn't really turn to anybody? And like, yes, oh man, that was the hardest part. So the the very first question I asked was, is it fatal? Is this fatal? And they couldn't even tell me that. That's how red was. They couldn't even tell me if it was fatal or not. But can you imagine living life every day, not even knowing, am I going to wake up tomorrow? Like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then the muscle spasms were on the horse are so bad that you don't know. They said it looked like seizures. I've never seen myself have a muscle spasm. I asked them to never record me having a muscle spasm. But if you YouTube it, you would definitely see they really do look like a seizure. Even one day I was in the back of an ambulance and he said, oh my gosh, I honestly thought you was having a seizure. If it looks like a seizure. I don't know what it looked like for me, but if yeah. you look at somebody else, it looks like a seizure. And that's just incredibly difficult and debilitating. Not only... Like, like obviously physically when it happens in the moment, but also mm-hmm. like knowing that you get triggered by sounds and then trying to live an average life. But like that loud noises are everywhere. Like you can't even yeah. avoid that. Exactly. So can you imagine living life like that? So, and, and then it comes with phobias. <laughs> so now I'm battling I was battling a whole lot of phobias, but now I'm battling one. I haven't crossed the street in 21 years. People, they question me all the time, like, well, how do you live life and you don't cross the street? 
And that's because every time I had a muscle spasm, I was in the middle of the street. Wow. So now it's a phobia of now me getting in the middle of the street and thinking that I'm going to, I'm going to have a muscle spasm because it's just the horns are blowing and it's just too much noise. Yeah. In a city girl at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, have you moved to a suburb or somewhere that's like quieter for your health? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and it's also, I'm sorry. It's also triggered by the cold. The cold will give you, I used to hibernate. <laughs> I think I hibernated for about nine years. So when it got cold, that's when I would need the bulk of the help with myself and my son with the cold because I would hibernate. So I would need someone to, and my brother helped out a lot, take my son to school, um, pick him up, help me out, going to the doctors and just trying to not have a spasm, just trying to get into a, a warm vehicle and get out of it and get in the warm house or get into the doctor's office. How often do the spasms happen now? The last spasm I had was last year, May, like May 27th. But they would happen almost every day for about 10 years. Wow. Every day. What do you think has helped reduce the frequency? For me, And I can only tell you for me, Mm -hmm. my faith in God, because I feel like if medicine could get me to where I am right now, then I wouldn't have gone through what I've gone through. So my faith in God absolutely has me where I am today. He's a healer. That's what he does. He's a healer. I'm asking for a completion um, of a healing. I'm still taking muscle relaxers. I, my, I still get stomach contractions, not spasms, but my stomach tightened up occasionally. And yeah, I'm asking him for a completion of a healing. He, I, I was the next model. They took away heels. So I was bed bound. They told me I'd be bed bound, mobile in a wheelchair. All of that did happen for a little while. And that was the worst thing for me. Being bed bound is, is a dangerous place because then you get in your own head and then it becomes more of a mental thing for you. And it, it became, like I said, a dangerous place for me to which I felt like I wasn't worthy. Why? <laughs> Why even stay? I have a kid, but my mom and I became, I was becoming resentful against my mom and it's so sad to say, but all she was doing was being my mom and a grandmother to her grandchild. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be his mom. And then I was contemplating suicide. Yeah, there's, I've seen or read time and time again of these stories where the doctor, what the doctor tells the patient is actually so important just from the mental standpoint, because the average patient will believe what the doctor says. So if the doctor says like, Hey, you're never going to walk again. And a patient says, Oh, okay. Like 
that's true, then the patient never really even tries or tries to move forward to that over time. Whereas if a doctor says like, maybe you'll be able to, and then there's that like sliver of hope, it really changes the perspective and what the patient does. And it just goes to show you how important our mindset is for healing and like how much we actually can control it and decide. Do you ever feel frazzled, not grounded, stressed, and like you have way too much on your plate? Of course, you know you should be taking time for self-care, but doesn't mean you actually are, and it kind of just feels like another thing on your to-do list. I have definitely been there. It's tough to kind of balance everything these days, especially for those of us working from home with extra side hustles and or kids. Stress reduction feels like a nice idea, but never something easily achievable in the moments when we need it the most. I believe in solutions that use science to help us be healthier on a daily basis, but without crazy technology or tools that aren't accessible or affordable for everybody. I use Sensate, which is something that I've been using for a long time now, and I spoke about a lot last year which is a groundbreaking innovation in wellness technology that uses the natural power of sonic resonance to calm your body's nervous system, providing immediate, immediate, let me tell you, relief and long-term benefits from regular, regular use. It calms your nerves and helps you feel better in as few as 10 minutes per day. It improves stress resilience to help you cope with whatever life throws at you and it increases heart rate variability, a known biomarker of health and longevity. This is so important because for many of us, our body's built-in stress management system is simply just an overdrive. Sensate's novel patented technology was designed to send infrasonic waves through the chest to reach the vagus nerve that sits deep in the core of our nervous system. By speaking to our body's command center, we can control how we respond to all the positive and negative things that we experience each day, which is just so cool and such an easy, easy biohack to bring in every day. You can use my discount code, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. I will put the link in the show notes and it's on my shop page at biohackingbrittany.com and you get $25 off today. If you have any questions about it or when you get it, please message me. I'd love to chat as this is one of my favorite biohacking tools to use on a regular basis. You are absolutely correct. Let me tell you what I wouldn't do after I said it would be selfish of me to, I'm an only child. It would be selfish of me to take my own life and do this to my parents and do this to my kids. Like that would be so selfish. It was a picture that I looked at and it was a picture of my son and I, and he was like maybe two months old. And I'm like, no, I can't do this. You, this is, you have to fight this one out. And what I, when I would go into the emergency room, regardless to what was happening, I would always say, no, 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 no. Don't put me in a wheelchair. Don't put me in a wheelchair. Um, no, I would be like, mom, just let me hold on to you. Mom, just hold me up. Just hold me up. Or whomever with me, but she was with me majority of the, of the time. So I'd be like, Ma, no, 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 Ma, I don't want to get in the wheelchair. Please just walk with me. Just walk with me. And she would she would understand, like, this girl do not want to get in the wheelchair. I didn't want to be mobile in a wheelchair. Yeah, I was crawling around, crawling to get down the steps. I was crawling, but I did not want to be 
mobile in a wheelchair and I was determined not to do it. I was praying on it. But things changed with God and I, and that's why I actually called the book My Journey, because I was on a journey with him, because God never leaves us. But I was on a journey with him. And of course, me going through all of that, and, and then I'm like, once one, one, one Sunday, Mother's Day, I never forget, Mother's Day 20, 2013, I was going to church. And I had a mus I was having a muscle spasm. And I remember I used to always say, All I want is prayer. All I want is prayer. I know how powerful prayer is. All I want is prayer. All I want is prayer. And the people in the church, and this happened in Virginia, and the people in the church called the ambulance. <laughs> Instead of just praying for me. And I'm asking them to just pray. And these people would not even pray. They would they they called the ambulance and put me in the back of the ambulance. And I said, really God, really God, you wouldn't let them pray for me. And now I'm blaming him. So that's where the journey came in. And I was like, I'm not calling on him no more. I'm not calling on him no more. Now I'm mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even let them pray for me. All I wanted them to do was, I just wanted to hear the word. I just wanted to hear the word and it didn't happen. But uh, yeah, that's a real thing. Like you, your mind, you have to be strong minded. And you also have to know that you're in a fight. And some of the fights you can take on your own and you have to know the ones you cannot take on on your own. You have to know those fights. Those are the big ones. Those are the hard ones. Those are not for you. And I had to event eventually give it over to him and let him fight the battle for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about the role of faith in healing and not like from whatever you believe in, like no shade towards anybody or anything like that. And I think there's something really beautiful about it because it provides a sense of hope that you might not have otherwise. And almost like a sense of purpose and a sense of reason that a lot of people cling on to when they're going through very difficult healing journeys. And I'm fully for that. Like prayer, reading, all of that type of thing is mindfulness and is so good for your mental health in a different way. And it can help the body heal just like you've experienced. And I really think we should be emphasizing the connection between having a strong spiritual life and healing the physical body more. And I, I don't know, I don't really see it as much anymore as I think it was once did or I once did. Yeah, absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, I think like from my from my own personal experience, like my father, it's not nearly as you know hurtful as probably like, like what you've been through. But my dad has dealt with depression and a whole bunch of things that have gone with that for a long time, and he is so Christian and has such a strong faith, and mm -hmm. he. It honestly, it's probably saved his life a few times and it's gotten him through very dark places. These are his words when nothing else could. And so I think there's this 
And I just encourage him when he talks to me about it. And I think there's just this connection between, of course, like the mind and the body and spirituality. Yeah, absolutely. Because the only person and the only thing that's forever is God. Mm -hmm. That's the only forever. That's the only forever. Like if you, you want to, you want to get somewhere and there's power in the tongue, there's power in prayer. And that's just me all day. I ask him, can I all the time, like I seek him first. God, can I, God, would you allow, Father, would you allow? I I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And I, I grew up super Christian and moved away from it for quite a long time for other reasons. But at this point in my life now, like there's a difference between, I think being religious and practicing religion and faith and hope in something bigger than yourself and spirituality. And so especially when it comes to healing, anything that you're healing, I think it's, I think it's very powerful to be able to rely on somebody or something else bigger than yourself. Oh, absolutely. But you rely on that person that you know that can help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like your, in terms of your practice, like, yeah, I know you were saying that you have a lot of prayer throughout the day, but do you have other like spiritual habits that you do that really just foster this connection? Habits. The habits will be prayer. <laughs> that's a habit. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a habit. Prayer. Power in the tongue. Watch what I'm saying. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. Because God is able. God yeah. Is able. Like some people like to journal as well or sit and meditate or do that type of thing. Yeah, I do. But I'm sorry. I do meditate. I don't journal because I'm writing book two. So that's like my journal. <laughs> nice. Nice. Right. So I'm on book two. So I'm basically journaling. Yeah. I'm writing right now. I'm, I meditate. I do. Mm-hmm. How did I forget that? Yeah. I definitely meditate. I, I'm working on working out, you know, just strengthening my body. My equilibrium is off. Just trying to get it to it. I can stand on my own and not keep relying on. Now he's 15, my 15 year old. Instead of me always saying, uh, you, you, you want to take a ride with me here? You want to take a ride with me there? So now it's like, okay, I'm going to the gym and I'm going to do this for myself and I'm going to be consistent about it. And as I am with, you know, waking up every day and getting on my knees, I want to be as consistent as going to the gym, as eating proper food and stuff like that, Put what I put in my body. I want to do, I want to be consistent with all of that, all of that. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, are there certain supplements or a diet or nutrition program that you're following that you think is great for stiff person syndrome? Well, I don't eat red meat. I think red meat is, is, is not, again, I can only say for me, I I can't speak to everybody because Mm -hmm. we all go through something different. For me, red meat is not good for me with this disease. And what I do, I, I cut out the red meat and it's just like, Turkey, chicken, fish, salmon, stuff like that. I don't know red meat for me at all. Lots of vegetables, lots of vegetables. Protein. I do uh, a 
protein smoothie. Yeah. Other than that, that would be it for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think the common misconceptions are of someone who has SPS? Misconception. (laughs) (laughs) Misconception is one is that it can be this can be looked at as a, looked at as MS. Another one would be hmm, it's hidden and it looks like a seizure. Right. Yeah. Which you kind of talked about before, because like you said, like you were misdiagnosed with MS before they, they realized what it was. So I think that's something as well. That's very common is people are misdiagnosed all the time, all of the time. And I know when I, even as I'm dealing with other things now, but like at different points when I've been trying to heal from specific things, it can be very frustrating when you're misdiagnosed or Mm -hmm. people just don't know. Right. And then you're kind of like, what's wrong with me? I don't understand. I don't know what this is and no one knows. And who can I talk to? And so how did you deal with that? How did you cope with? How did I cope with it? I couldn't, to be honest. I didn't, I couldn't think I was going day by day because I had a kid. And that's what I'm saying. That was the hardest part for me. I didn't know how to cope. Mm. It was more so of, I woke up today and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with today. Whatever works for me today, that's what I'm going to do today. To be honest, yeah, I didn't get the concept of coping because they didn't know exactly what it was. So it was hard to cope with something. Nobody knows what it is. And it's so rare. So it was hard to, to cope. How do you cope with that? I'm just living day by day. That's exactly what I was doing. I was living day by day. Yeah. Honestly, what else are you supposed to do? (laughs) Right. I didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether it was fatal. So I didn't know if it was fatal. It was new to them. It was new to me. Mm -hmm. They said in New York, I was the first person diagnosed with fit person syndrome. So I'm in, I'm in the big apple and I'm the first person diagnosed with fit person syndrome. Are you serious? So how do you, I I didn't know how to cope. I I woke up and I went on with my day. And I woke up the next day and I went on with my day. And I made sure that whatever I was going through internally, how much I wanted to just cry every single day, I didn't. I cried a lot, but I didn't cry every single day. For the most part, I said, I don't know what this is and I do day, so I'm going to make the best of every day with this kid that I have. So that was my coping mechanism, him. Just making sure that he lived, he had a good childhood, you know, that was it for me. That was it. I was basically living for Jalen. Yeah. I I think it's just remarkable. I, I couldn't even imagine going through what you've, you've been through. Like it's one thing for doctors not to know what's going on. And then it's a completely different thing to get a diagnosis and be told that you are one in a million of having this. And then also this usually happens to men and not women. So like, (laughs) so then you're just like, cool. Now what? Right. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Like it's insane. And, Mm -hmm. and I think I would have 
done something so similar to you in terms of increasing awareness of it, writing a book about it, educating people about it, right? And helping spread the word. And that's what you're doing now. And I think that's remarkable because it's needed. So why don't you tell us a bit about the book you wrote? The book I wrote is about how I dealt with stiff person syndrome, how I made life comfortable in the way that I knew how to make it comfortable, even though I was going through really bad muscle spasm, just living life on my knees and, and stuff like that. But it's about me having me being diagnosed with Graves' disease, you know, having to leave where it was cold because the cold was, they were saying the cold was eating up my muscles. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I had to relocate, you know, and I, my mom, as I said, I'm an only child. So my mom came and got my son and I. And, and then from there, being, I'm going to tell my age, but being 40 at the time, <laughs> I didn't want to live with my mom being out on my own for so long. So I moved out of her house in 2013 and and went on my own. And the the disease progressed in a way I couldn't even describe. It was just horrible. Like my, my kids, he was in third grade. His first day of school, we had to go to the school in a fire truck because I didn't want them to take me the ambulance to take me to the hospital. So the firemen said, well, and believe it or not, the school was just like five giant steps. But the sound of the car horn and noise in Charlotte was just way too much for me. So I end up on the, in, in the middle of the street, just laid out having a muscle spasm because that's a trigger. Wow. And yeah, from there, I just was like, this is crazy. So yeah, I just wrote the book about how I went through it, how I how I couldn't. There were certain things that I couldn't do as far as body-wise, because my, when your muscles are tight, when your muscles are tight, you can't bend. So if you pick up the book, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying when you, your body don't bend, you go through a lot of things. So when you just this, and I was just this, so you can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book on my website, God's Angel. It's actually now audible. My book is called My Journey with God Through Stiff Person Syndrome. Yeah. If you and take a journey on my journey. <laughs> my Instagram is Tisha Foster with two R's. Yeah, you, you, you'll you see a little bit of my story there. Oh, another thing too, and they canceled, I said I was the next model. They canceled out heels for me. And people would ask me on Instagram right now today, like, are you wearing heels for real or are you faking? And if you got the book, you would understand how I'm able to wear heels because I can wear heels for real. That's awesome. I love that. It's so inspiring. I will definitely link to your book and in the show notes and on my website. And of course, like your social media and your, just your website as well. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. This was really powerful. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm, Of course. Thanks for listening to another episode of biohacking with Brittany. 
If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbritney.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbritney. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbritney.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week. 